Where do you go for comics new and old? Uh, garage sales? Wrong! Where do you see your favorite television and movie stars? Uh, in magazines, mostly. Wrong again! And where do you go to see the best in cosplay? Well, there are lots of different options if you're looking for something... <laughs> so incredibly wrong! Wizard World Comic Con. Wizard World Comic Con offers live entertainment and gaming, comics new and old, cosplay, toys and memorabilia, and a chance to meet your favorite television and movie stars. Meet Underworld star Kate Beckinsale and WWE superstar The Undertaker, October 27th through the 29th in Oklahoma City. Then meet Aquaman Jason Momoa and rock icon Gene Simmons, October 17th through the 19th in Austin, Texas. For news, celebrity updates, and tickets to future shows, go to wizardworld.com. Don't feel like paying full price? No problem. Use promo code CANDAIR at checkout. Lowercase, no space. <laughs> to get 10% off your tickets. So, where are you going to go for your pop culture fix? The, the internet? Oh, good answer. Really? No! Wizard World Comic Con. Go to wizardworld.com for tickets. Hermes Conrad, you're quite level grade 36, and you are listening to the Candair Podcast. No, stop it and get back to work. And welcome to another episode of Candare, a tribute to comics and pop culture. I am Jeremy Colley. And I am Jack Doherty. I'm still Jake Runyon. And joining us today, uh, hadn't been on the show in quite a while. It's, quite a while. Uh, man, what, within the first year, maybe. I think so. <laughs> he hadn't been here since the new format, so yeah. it's exciting to have him back. The creator of Boots and Pop, John Yuskatis Jr. Thanks for being back with us, John. Thanks for having me, guys. We've got a really good show lined up for you today, folks. I say that every week. I'm sounding like a broken record. I need to mix that up. That's what all the greats do. This show's going to be mediocre. You've got to prime the audience for greatness. I can't say that. Throw a little Conan O'Brien in there. Yeah. we got a terrible show for you today. (laughs) It's going to be a real waste of time. (laughs) We do the best we can with what we're given, and hopefully people like what we're dishing out, right? That's the spirit. In our retro roundtable, we're going to be talking about favorite movie lines from movies. Like, uh, well, you had some examples yesterday. Like, well, the of course, no one should be able to use this one, but the "I'll be back" from right. all the movies that he's right. been in. Hostile I, movies, yeah, series. <laughs> Little taglines in movies that uh, we tend to remember over the years, and I also have a few that I despise on my list here. So <laughs> excited to lay those good, out. Good comic dump bin. What do we got, fellas? You got there, Jake? I've got Batman, Broken City. Broken City. It looks really cool. I just, I wanted a classic Batman story. I was not disappointed. This was a good choice. Cool, cool. Um, I am bringing to the table this week the Beagle Boys versus Uncle Scrooge, which was heavy, heavy influence from John uh, being on the show last time when we had a conversation Mm -hmm. about Carl Barks that uh, really made me go digging into Uncle yeah. Scrooge. So Two excited to talk about that. One man leaves. Yeah, excited to talk about yeah. that as well. Then we have a, uh, a hero, right? We have a hero. This we week. haven't done this in a while. Yes. We have a hero, a uh, real world hero we'll be talking about. That wall of heroes getting dusty. Yeah, yeah chisel is. a new name on yeah. it. Then we're going to turn our attention over to John and talk a little bit about Boots and Pop. But before we start, Jake. I think all of you 
should, as soon as this podcast concludes, head to Twitter, check us out at CannedAirPod, then Instagram at Canned underscore Air, and then if you still got time, and you will, have a look at our YouTube page, full of treats with more on the way, and then you can even find all of our excellent merch on Society6.com forward slash CannedAirPod, and don't forget to use promo code CANDAIR, lowercase no space, to save 10% on any Wizard World tickets you might be buying for upcoming shows. You got it all yeah. in there. That's awesome. Look at this guy. That's what she, oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I'm better than that. I don't know. Well, before we dig into the show, a few things I want to touch on uh, before we kick off. First of all, our friends at Adult Swim have sent another package, gentlemen. Ooh, You're kidding. Boy. I'm not. I'm not. And we are promoting Squidbillies. You fan? <laughs> oh, yeah. Are you? <laughs> yeah, very nice, much. Nice, so. nice. Well, uh, we have a new season uh, premiering Sunday, October 15th at midnight. So be sure to uh, check it out, set your DVRs, and I think uh, you can still get on Adult Swim and uh, watch episodes on there. They're so extremely yeah, cool about that. Very cool. So, uh, yeah, lots of cool places to check it out. Again, set the DVR. Man, that show really but, grew on me. It's, it's a funny show. Yeah. It's a funny show. But um, <clears throat> every time Adult Swim sends its package like this, they always send us cool freaking gifts. Like with Apollo Gauntlet. They sent that shirt that I took. <laughs> yeah. uh, and then uh, when Rick and Morty Season 3 premiered, they sent the Mr. Poopy Butthole action figure that Wowee, Jack took. Wowee, I got a poopy butthole. Yes. So, Jake is next to receive the oh. Adult Swim offering. <laughs> And I think you're going to be glad you missed those other two. Uh, oh, guests, I, I trust friend. your judgment. I, I wanted you to open this. Okay. On here. All right. Let's see. I don't have to go on the old Twitter. Let's see verse. what we got. Nice the layer of fun. Oh, get the hell out of here! Isn't that freaking cool? <laughs> those are the coolest. Tell them, tell them what you're seeing. Ladies and gentlemen, I'm holding a set of four Squidbillies-themed gold-rimmed shot glasses. Let's see. We've got Early. We've got Rusty. We've got there. Horrible, horrible grandmother. We got the sheriff. I'm so glad oh, he man. likes the show. I thought <laughs> he'd say, oh, I hate that shit. <laughs> Guys, this is... That's awesome. This is the greatest moment of my recent life. And thank you for being able to share in this with me. Oh, well, I hope you enjoy it. Adults oh, I, they're they're gonna. I'm gonna put some mileage on these some bitches. I'll there tell you that much. <laughs> well, every time we go to a con, he's like, I want to find a shot glass with this on it. I do. I'm always looking for shot glasses. And I was like, Oh, this is Jake on the way. Holy shit, so, these are so cool. I'm glad you like them, and I love thank them. you to Adult Swim for again sending an awesome, awesome gift our way. We never get sick of getting that stuff no, in the never. mail. And again, Squidbillies new season premiere Sunday, October 15th at midnight. So check it out. Um, one more thing uh, before we start. Uh, John, I'm starting to think that uh, having you on the show might be bad juju, my friend. When we had you on last time, minutes before we started the show, we had learned that Robin Williams had passed Robin away. Williams. That's right. That's right. The same thing happened today when I learned that, uh, and the world learned, that Tom Petty has died. And I can't tell you how devastating this has been to me. He's been my hero. For as long as I can remember, since I was a kid. I mean, I grew up listening to it. I learned to play guitar to it. Took life lessons from it. It's the music that binds my friends, my family. It's more than just an album. It's more than just music to us. And to hear that was crippling. And I um, don't know what else to say, really. I just wanted to make mention of it. And, uh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, we lost a good one. I, I, I'm a... I'm a I'm a bearer of bad news for everything you love. My apologies. <laughs> oh, I was just pulling your chain, John. I'm not superstitious in any way, really, but um, it just really sucked to hear that. Uh, 
Yeah. He was slowing down. He had said that he wanted to take time and be with his family and with his grandkids. And he finished the last show just last week. Oh, wow. I had no idea. It was and you that. just saw him recently, too. Yeah, just a, like a month and a half ago. Yeah. Damn. Uh, 40th anniversary tour. That's my sixth, seventh time I saw him. Um, I still wow. remember the first time. Uh, like 99, I think it was. Something like that. But he's just been such a, a summer staple. Of, Oh, sure. Uh, I could just go on forever, but I'm not going to. Um, but rest in peace, Tom Petty. And damn, thank you for everything you've you've given and left behind, man. Uh, and I don't think today we're going to be going out on the Star Set song. We'll save that. We're going to push that back. Yeah, We've yeah, had a residency with right. them here the past two weeks. We have two more weeks to go. Um, but I think we're going to end this on a Tom Petty song. I don't know which one yet, but um, I'm going to make it a good one. Whoa. You know, he he was part of the traveling Wilburys as well. Yeah, yeah he and was. That's kind of that's kind of how I fell into him back in the um in, in the mid to late eighties when they um, were releasing their album there. Um, yeah. it was quite a time. That was I think one of the first super super bands, super groups. I mean, it was uh they were great. I mean, you you got George Harrison, Bob Dylan, Tom Petty, Roy Orbison, and Jeff Lynne around the same month. Yeah. I guess How's that's that, an okay yeah. lineup. How's that go bad? You know, I mean, now I will say there were some songs that came out of those projects that were not great, but there were some gems as well, and uh, that in itself was worth it. And if you, uh, there's a special edition of their first album out that came with a DVD that, like, all their like private footage of filming those sessions. It was so cool. So I strongly recommend that. And um, damn, rest in peace, Tom Petty. Yeah. With that, let's kick off the Retro Roundtable. Do it. Do it. Come on. I'm here. Come on. Do it now. Oh, my God. Grass. Taste bad. All right, guys. Favorite movie lines. Where do we begin? We already mentioned the Arnold ones. We yeah, got those yeah. out of the way. Thank Christ. Yeah. Just, <laughs> so. just... Ripping off the Band-Aid. Who wants to go first? I'll go with one of my all-time favorites from The Princess Bride. When Enigo Montoya towards the end. Good call. The whole time talking about the Six-Finger Man killing his father. Yeah. And he finally meets the Six-Finger Man. Has him at the end of his sword. And the guy's freaking out, crying, saying, I'll give you riches. This and that. I'll give you anything you want. And he says, I want my father back and fucking kills him right there yeah every single time i get man that is a perfect one and yeah, i didn't even yeah. come close to popping Love into my mind that, movie, no that is a time. great example yeah perfect uh yeah we we just missed those people they were at the stars from that movie were at yep. cincinnati comic-con i wish we could have gone i need to email them damn it but um anyway jake i've got one i want to get out of the way because this is going to be like the oh of course jake should pick this one <laughs> so let me just and it's October, so I feel justified. Uh, Hellraiser. <laughs> oh. So, I don't know if you well, guys are well, aware. Well. One of my favorite movies of all time. I love when Pinhead has a particularly poignant line. They make a point of making his breath visible while he speaks. I don't know if they just crank down the thermostat for that scene. But uh, he's got, the. I, I think, his most iconic line is, I will tear your soul apart. And it's that long, drawn-out sequence 
zooms in on his face. The delivery is just perfect. I don't even think it's altered. It's just so it's something that's said more than once, like throughout the Hellraiser movies. It's it's something you hear more than once, certainly, right. and it's it's something that really resonates as like the focal phrase of the first movie. And you get that, you know, it's just that otherworldly coldness that seems to permeate. Ah, it's perfect. I love it. it. Gives me chills. All right. What about you, John? I would say that one of my favorite. Um, you know, one-liners comes out of um, one of my favorite holiday movies, and that would be Die Hard. And that always oh. goes down to EKA, motherfucker. Right, <laughs> right. It's, it's a platinum classic right there. It is. And it's one of those ones that, you know, came, came relatively late in the, it was what, 89, 90, I think 90 Die Hard was. So it, by that time, I mastered the one-liners. You know, um, Arnold had his time. He had his get to the chopper and all the, the <laughs> wonderful, um, you, you, those lines they dropped, you know, Stallone, Rambo-isms. And that was amazing. And also that, um, I, I think it was, the... Um, where we saw um, Army of Darkness, and I think Ash had quite a few one-liners in there. Um, you know, the, the Pillow Talk one was always always a fun one for me. You know, just just nice, um, easy to digest dialogue does work. I mean, uh, you know, in your day-to-day life, can't tell how many times I've used the Yippee Kaye at work. It's applicable <laughs> to any situation. In that movie, it's always funny when it's on TV because I think it's <laughs> Die Hard too. There's someone in the movie it's named like Yippie Kaye, Mr. Falcon. Yes, <laughs> Yippie Kaye, Mr. Falconer, and it doesn't even sound like oh, man, it's at all. So, it's so bad. bad. It's Sometimes like they it's some... better though when they do a crappy edit like that, and it, it just goes it horribly better. wrong. Yeah. It makes it so funny. It's like there's, there's it. that bit in The Big Lebowski where John Goodman's obliterating that dude's car with a bat, mm, oh. and he's screaming. This is what you get when you fuck a stranger in the ass, right? right. Every Everybody knows the line. You see it on TV, and I, I, I shit you not. He's yelling, this is what you get. This is what you get when you meet a stranger in the Alps. <laughs> what? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> what could that possibly mean? Why would, they, why would that come to mind? As I know. It makes it seem more understanding why the kid's just sitting there expressionless because yeah, he's just like, what are you talking about? I <laughs> lost it. Yeah. Oh, Lord. Jesus. Wow. Well. All right. You know, Ghostbusters um, also had, uh, you know, we came, we saw, we kicked the ass. I remember the first broadcast of that was what a knockabout of fun that was. And I always thought, did they film another scene? What's going on here? But it turned out it was probably Dave Coulier doing all the impersonations because I guess that's what he did. Like any Richard Pryor movie, I think he was the guy doing Richard Pryor's um, episode. don't, Don't quote me on that. Um, and I'll, I'll finally, I'm sorry, I'll contribute one more, and so that's Aliens. Anything that um, oh, yeah. that Bill Paxton said in that mm. movie was, oh, was yeah. gold. Game yeah. over, man. Game <laughs> over. Yeah, but it's a dry heat. That's the bitch <laughs> always. Charge. <laughs> <laughs> nice, nice. Uh, Good okay. call. All right, um, I've got Across the Turtles... Uh, Filmography, cartoons, you know, whatever it may be. The worst example I can think of, though, is in the very first movie, anytime the Cowabungas yelled out, they put too much. Uh, how do I say it? It's like the camera 
focuses on the turtle, it's going to say it. The turtle looks at the camera and says, Cowabunga! It's he like, can barely you know, contain your excitement. Right there. Here I just comes. I start punching myself in the face. Like, God, that's horrible. Why? Forget it's happening. Yeah, but um, I just hate that. Or the in unison, turtle power! Or they high five. That's even worse. It's Yeah, yeah. And it got worse in the second movie. In the third movie, I don't... Uh, it was just bad, you know. <laughs> it was just bad. <laughs> the movie, not just that. <laughs> right, exactly. Now, the first one is still my favorite. Will always probably be. It's so good. Oh, so sure. good. You can't compare. But um, that's one little thing about that movie that's always irked me. I've got one that's a little timely considering Blade Runner 2049 coming out soon. Guess what? Jake's excited. It's Rudger Hauer's little speech at the end. It's that very first part. You hear it repeated over and over. I've even heard it sampled into songs where he says, I've seen things you people wouldn't believe. And I've never seen that. Never seen, never seen either. You guys haven't I seen Blade watch Runner? It it comes I want to watch it before it comes out because yeah, it looks really good. And it's, I, it's one of those movies I've always wanted to see. Oh, yep. dude. Wow. I just I need to make time to that do just, it. That but just when you have movies my like Troll Two on the DVD <laughs> That's a good player, point. We got, we've got that one in the chamber, yeah, ready yeah. to go. Decisions had to be made. You All right, I'm over two. Who's next? <laughs> Another one. I don't know if you guys have ever seen it. Tango and Cash. I have not seen Tango and Cash. It was uh, Kurt Russell and Sylvester Stallone. They were a couple of cops, huh. and. It, I've only ever seen the movie one time, but it always stuck in my mind. It was in the very beginning of the movie. They're doing this big bust chasing down this uh, semi-oil tanker. And they end up arresting the guys at the end. All the regular cops show up, and they're you know, they're supposed to be like these two super detectives, whatever. They're like, oh, how did you know these guys were the ones? And Sylvester Stallone turns around with his gun to shoot the tanker, and everyone's like, no, no, no. He shoots it, and instead of it blowing up, cocaine starts flowing out of it. <laughs> and the cop's like, what the hell's your problem? And Kurt Russell looks over, and he's like, he thinks he's fucking Rambo. <laughs> <laughs> One time That's in the late 80s, I saw that, and it's always stuck with me. It was just hilarious. There's something about the deli- You know, the delivery is just as important as the joke. And I, I don't know. The way you said it, I can hear what you're talking about. Like... <laughs> Uh, I don't know. Like a great example for uh, as far as delivery goes, maybe it's not a great example. But in the movie uh, Old School, when Will Ferrell shoots himself in the neck with that tranquilizer, <laughs> <laughs> now to just have a trained camera and just to have that kind of happen, it'd still be funny, but not as funny as the way they set it up. Yeah. The camera, <laughs> the way the camera just cut to him and his head flies back with it, <laughs> just. Made it perfect. Yeah. I laughed so hard, I almost shit my pants. Every time, yeah. <laughs> oh my god, that You're was crazy. Funny. You're crazy. <laughs> you okay, dude? <laughs> you just shot yourself in the neck. Have you seen that? I have not. Oh, I will yeah. show you on YouTube. Okay. It is priceless. <laughs> All right. What about you, John? Oh, I, I lived old school. I was that guy. <laughs> now that was, um,. <laughs> that, that was my existence for a while. Right. Yeah. <laughs> and you know, and Will, Will Ferrell comes from Massachusetts, a little bit north of where I live. So, um, oh, you know, really? his humor, he's considered the Jerry Lewis of Massachusetts, like um, Jerry Lewis of France, right? He he can do no wrong, even when he does wrong um, in his <laughs> movies. We, we're obligated to go and, go and watch them and see them, especially if uh, Mark Wahlberg is in it. Then we have. Yeah. There's no choice. They actually give us a day off from work to go see that movie. <laughs> Are you serious? 
No, not at all. Oh, I was going to say, oh. man. <laughs> so he's he's going to have his own holiday when, it, like, Wahlberg is knocked or something. <laughs> well, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. No, he's, um, we can't, we can't escape the two. And also, uh, actually, now I'm thinking about it, Steve Carell is also from Massachusetts. So we have all these man. amazingly um, character actors. Um, even when they're leading men, they still have that, that character to them. So that's, that's our claim to fame. That and communism in Cambridge. (laughs) Something in the water in Massachusetts. Two great tastes. It tastes great. (laughs) Right, right. Very good. Should I just retire that phrase? It doesn't get any laughs anymore. (laughs) It may have taken its toll or run its course. Um, We'll just... Timing, I think. It's going to go quietly (laughs) into that. Even underwear get holes in them, Jake. (laughs) (laughs) Words of profound wisdom. (laughs) You got another uh, favorite movie line, John, or one-liner? Oh, gosh. Um, Yeah, you know, uh, you you think about them all all the time. We're always saying them. We're always repeating them. Um, But I'll I'll tell you right now that I I just recently, um, I'm recently married. Um, and Congratulations so was, to you, by the way. Th- thank you very much. Two weeks, and for a gift, my um, my lovely bride Kate had given to me a pair of cufflinks. And the cufflinks now, keep in mind, this is a very nice, very formal setting, very beautiful, picturesque. And on each of the cufflinks was a silhouette. And the first silhouette was Princess Leia saying, I love you. And the second was Han Solo saying, I know. Oh, that's so, cool. There you go. So I, I feel as if Star Wars does have some awesome one-liners happening there, especially when Obi-Wan has taught you well. Um, and don't underestimate the powers of Dark Side. Hey, there's a lot of good things that come out of, um, out of the Star Wars franchise, and that was one of them that comes to mind based upon, obviously, you know, I, I was carrying a little secret there. I've got probably the most used ah this the best example of what we're talking about from Star Wars is I've got a bad feeling about oh, this. Yes. Yeah. I mean that, that oh, they yeah. make a point to put that in like every single yeah. one, right? Yep. Like even Rogue oh, One yeah. had it. Well shoot our radio show we did we even had that in there a couple times. Say what now? The what? We got a bad feeling about this. On, On our, this show you mean? Yeah, no our Star Wars show we did. Oh I forgot. Yeah. <laughs> I pretend that never happened. <laughs> <laughs> A lot of therapy to block that out, and you tore that wall down, Jack. <laughs> oh, you mean that month when I was in Europe? <laughs> <laughs> so you think, speaking of Star Wars, uh, when Han Solo gets something happen, something happens to him in the Millennium Falcon. Him, it's not my fault. Every time the hyperdrive yeah. didn't work. It's true. <laughs> Never was his fault. Not <laughs> my fault. You know what? I'm going to go for broke here. I'm going to triple down on things that Jake likes that nobody else does. Let's go classic Bella Lugosi Dracula. Yes, I know. We're losing followers because I just keep talking about the same <laughs> shit. This guy. But that line that I think everybody at least recognizes is, The children of the night. What beautiful music they make. Right? Like, everybody knows that line. Is that from it? What the uh, kind of question? I didn't know. Yes. You didn't know no. Dracula says that? That's no. like his thing that he says. No. Uh, I've, I've, never, I've never heard it either. Sorry. <laughs> if you hear a sharp crack you during those, this uh, podcast, shot glasses that's good. Jake you got a shot glasses. His brain. The day's good. The day is oh, good. Man. I'm going to test drive those motherfuckers tonight. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus, guys. Oh, okay, I got one. 
Snooch to the nooch. Oh, oh yeah. Nugans. <laughs> How many times have we heard that? And all the variations of yeah. just those oh, sounds. Yeah. It's really uh, impressive when people can do that. You know, invent their own kind of word and yeah. phrase. I, I don't know how to... Even when they change it, you recognize that it's yeah. theirs. Yeah, exactly. I, just, I forget which movie, but I keep thinking of it's a bit where Jay's like really pissed at something, and he just uses this phrase like "motherfucking witch." You know, he just like drags <laughs> it away. Oh, it kills me. Like when he when he has those moments where he can't contain. Like, yeah, he wants to, it's just like too another, intense. Another moment of that was uh, when they're hanging outside uh, a convenience store, uh, and a girl walks out, and Jay's like sitting there dancing he sees this girl walking by and he he just can't fucking contain it he's like hey baby you ever had your asshole licked by a fat guy in an overcoat he's just acting according to his nature I lost it I lost it that was so funny hang up may I have a quick moment to redeem myself by throwing out one that everybody genuinely does know no Jack you're up (laughs) go ahead I'm gonna gonna say it this is basic why so serious Ooh, oh, good one, yeah. right? I mean, that that was like the phrase of... You know, it's so funny you mentioned that. That movie came on yesterday or the day before, and I sat down and started watching it. And it... Uh, I know it's cliche to say, oh, yeah, Heath Ledger's the best Joker. Because I wouldn't say he's the best. He's just the best at his Joker. You oh, know what sure. I mean? Because it's a whole different That's Joker. a good way to put it. It's a it's a anarchist. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's anti-establishment. But it never ceases to amaze. Like, I was still finding myself like, wow, you know, watching that. Every time watching it, it's like that. I just can't get over how much he just doesn't care and just wants to see everything burn. And And how you don't see Heath Ledger in the slightest. Completely disappears. Ten things I know about you or hate about you. (laughs) It just doesn't exist. Night's Tale never happened. Brokeback Mountain not doesn't exist. <laughs> I, I haven't seen it. <laughs> was, not there's, there's that, anything wrong with that. There's that bit where he crashes Bruce Wayne's little fundraiser thing. Mm-hmm. And apparently, this is what I read, and this could be wrong, but Michael Caine had lines in that scene, but because of the way they shot the movie, it was the first time he ever saw Heath Ledger in full makeup, in character, and he just forgot to say them. Really? He was just blown Michael away Caine, by them. Yeah, Michael Caine. <laughs> I mean, he's been in a couple of movies, yeah. you know, so... Dude's a pro. And the thing that just blows my mind every time I watch that movie, that scene where he's got the imposter Batman, and he's yes. he's got that handheld camcorder. They just gave Heath Ledger a camcorder, sat the guy down in a chair, and said, roll with it. And all of that is just him being nice. him. Seriously. Yeah, he, he just, it was the Joker during that time, mm. you know. Didn't need the script. That is such a uh, crazy scene. There's a oh, part of it that irks me, but there's a... Irks me in a bad way, like production value wise, but because of the sound of the uh, well, just like after he's like, I'm a man of my word, and he starts laughing, like the camera screen goes crazy. <laughs> so I just imagine him like laughing and just like twirling the camera <laughs> in his hands, like, why? What's happening? At the same time, when uh, he's sitting there and he's like, oh, Look at me, look at me, yeah, like, oh my. The God. delivery is just incredible. It's one of the few times... I don't think you see that character get quite as dark as you hear him in that yeah, instance yeah. in that movie. Like, it's... Where, like, the mask is gone. You know, it's just, like, what's inside of the Joker mm-hmm. with none of the artifice, none of the fun, you know. Ooh. And it's great because you get that duality of it. Just in that scene, you get the look at me. And then you get that bit where, are you the real Batman? You know, the way he said, yeah. why do you dress up like him? You know, he's yeah. got this <laughs> wacky, zany thing, and then he's just darkness. That was so good. He was so good. Yeah. So good. 
Man, where do we go from here? Big Trouble in Little China. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Another movie that finds its <laughs> way back to <laughs> the retro round table time and time again. God damn, I love that movie. The guy that he's such a badass, but he does absolutely nothing in the movie <laughs> yeah. to help, but he feels that he does. Oh, yeah. And he gives his two one liners of it's all in the reflexes and you never can tell. I've heard that second one and I've never seen the movie. No. So it has to have been a decent catch line or a yeah, one liner. While we're I on the subject, it. we have to address the like, yes, sir, checks in the mail, right? <laughs> I mean, because that's like. <laughs> That's the one I have tend you to hear more of. <laughs> yeah. Yes, sir, I have checks in the mail. <laughs> okay, we were talking Arnold earlier. Mm-hmm. And uh, as cemented as, you know, Hasta la Vista, baby, and I'll be back are, there was a movie that you guys are, you know I'm a big fan of, of Arnold's Last Action Hero. Oh, I, I didn't, there Plenty wasn't any evidence, evidence around the to room. support that. Yeah. <laughs> With that movie, it not that it would have done great had it been released at a different time, but it came out the same weekend I think Jurassic Park did. That's didn't stand a chance. Death sentence didn't yeah. stand a chance. Yeah. But if you remember the marketing on this movie at all, or even look it up on YouTube, they had big plans for this. This was going to go places. It was not only going to appeal to you know the action crowd, adults. It's going to bring kids into the mix too. And they pumped out the action figures, all this shit. And along with all this, they gave Arnold a new one-liner that they were going to start pushing out. They had a talking, uh, talking, like, uh, I don't know, how tall was that? Like a foot tall like action a figure? Yeah. Foot to change. Yeah. That uh, you'd push a button and he would say it. It was all over the boxes of uh, the action figures, but his catchphrase was, big mistake. <laughs> oh, <laughs> all right, yeah. Hey, while we're on the subject of Jurassic Park, uh, they move in herds? They do move in herds? Ooh. Rather? They they do move in hers. Yeah. Yeah. You get that one. Oh, and I then think it was spared no expense. Spared no expense. Yeah. And then that thing Hammond says, it's right up your alley. If I had a nickel for every time someone <laughs> said that to me, like, hey, Jake, look what I found. It's right up your alley. It's like that's the fun thing to tell Jake Runyon is that something's right up his alley. I wish we would have known that actually before I gave you this. I was oh, these shot glasses. Oh. Like, this is right up your alley. Let's just retroactively. Well, you want to splice it in? in no, the end? no, I'll be good. <laughs> Make it a big, obvious thing. Another one from Jurassic Park. Hold on to your butts. Oh, yeah. Oh, that's right. That is from that. Samuel Jackson. Now, Samuel uh, Jackson has to have a plethora. Oh, my God. Don't even get me started. How about uh, these motherfucking snakes? Uh, uh, uh. Uh, 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 uh. Royale with cheese. Oh, you're doing Newman. Newman, Uh, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) I was stuck on Jurassic Park. You guys left me behind. Sorry. (laughs) Catch up, Jack. (laughs) What about you, John? Any other one-liners? Well, you know, Arnold also had ones that stunk. And if you go all the way go all the way back to Raw Deal when his wife throws the cake at him and he looks at it and says, You shouldn't drink and bake. <laughs> I think that's one movie I've never seen of his. Some writer that, somewhere was polishing his nails on his shirt, like, <laughs> Oh yeah, that's good. They're like they're like, We got it, Arnold. This is exactly what's gonna make you a star. Forget about all those other ones. This is it. And and that um that movie was a painful movie to watch and it, I was I, I remember the day just sitting down there watch watching it and, and this was in the eighties on, on VHS thinking wow this guy's going nowhere I don't care what happened before this <laughs> this is done and then all of a sudden Predator comes out he redeems himself and you go all the way back to, to Predator right through there classic Arnold even right down to um you know some of the other quotes coming out they're like stick around right like good stuff like just 
Yeah. Oh man. So I, I would again go back to Arnold for those classic one-liners, just because you know that was his time. To, and what what re- I mean, outside of I know the, the um, why so serious, which they turned into their ad the ad campaign. But are there really any memorable quotes coming out of some of these newer movies? Are we seeing something? Can we think back to Avengers or Age of Apocalypse? Is there something that no, kind of catches really. us? We have a Hulk is about the only thing I can yeah, think of. Yeah, but like Avengers. we've moved past that point where the one-liner is an important part of the marketing aspect. Yeah. I've hated in the both Guardian movies, there have been two different instances toward the ends where Rocket will look at the screen or look in the direction of the screen and be like, we're the freaking Guardians of the Galaxy. Or something. Guardians well, of the you freaking didn't Galaxy. say freaking. Yeah, something like that. That's just kind of cheesy, you know? I and, liked yeah. it in the first movie when... Uh, like Star-Lord when they first declared it. themselves yeah, that. Yeah, he's like, but, we're the freaking guardians of the galaxy. Yeah, so, I don't know. Mary Poppins, y'all. That oh, was priceless. Oh, yeah. Priceless. Yeah. But, I mean, that's been put up across the oh, t-shirts it's already. Been, yeah. everywhere. But talking about Predator, that's a gold mine. You got, what, I'm a goddamn sexual tyrannosaurus. That's <laughs> a keeper. And I You're always... one ugly motherfucker. Yeah. You got that? You got, come on, do it. Do it. What are you waiting for? Do it now. Kill me. <laughs> if I had a nickel for every time that went through my head in my day Well, if you listen life. to this episode after it's done being edited, the retro oh, title is probably going to have nice. it in there. So. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, you Shoot, guys? our retro title's full of one-liners. <laughs> yeah, it is. It is. I didn't even think about that. Any other ones? You'll shoot your eye out. Let's get fast. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> Yeah, cool. Here are a few that I despised Ooh, hit me. over the years. Uh, first of all, prepare for trouble. <laughs> Make it double. <laughs> I just cannot Their stand. whole shtick was... Yeah. That show's <laughs> fucking horrible. I'm sorry that to po- anyone who Pokemon? loves Pokemon? Yeah. Yes, it's so yeah. bad. Even it's... as a child, I recognized that was garbage. They're not even trying <laughs> to humor kids with that show. No. I mean, it's just... Ugh. Now, maybe, in, you know, the Japanese version is actually watchable. I don't know. I've never seen it. But I feel like, I feel like this one was kind of thrown together quickly and pumped out with, you know, the rise of success. Something kind of like that. But I, I think culturally, at least in terms of the animations they make, they're, like, more forgiving of absurd lines and, mm-hmm. and d- weird deliveries of lines and right. stuff. I don't know. It's just here in America. Like, it's not that's more fucking targeted for yeah. kids. Too. <laughs> it's just we don't have time for it. Anime is mostly for adults a lot of times. Yeah. It's not really marketed for the, the little kids. Unless you like want to give here. your toddler an anatomy lesson. You know? Yeah. And just Ash's voice was just oh. uh, real nasally and just the Pikachu sound. Oh, geez, Rick. Yeah, right? But, um, Damn, what a bad show. Another one, though. I don't know if you'll remember this from when we were younger. Punky Power! <laughs> yeah, oh, that was No, I, I know. Remember I that one? Punky Brewster, yeah. Ugh. Some garbage. I used to love that show. <laughs> in the trash. Mm-hmm. But I hated when she said that. And there were these, uh, I went to school with these <laughs> girls. They were twins uh, in my class. And they both adored Punky Brewster. And they both had the uh, same kind of appearance. They had freckles and stuff, just like she did. And... They would run in the playground around in their Punky Brewster tennis shoes, and they'd be yelling that all over the place. I just wanted to smack the living <laughs> hell out of them. Well, I went to a dark place, didn't yeah. I? Yeah, Jeremy can't hit girls. <laughs> I was a little kid. Come on. Killing children. 
Uh, okay. Anybody else have any other ones? Alrighty then. Ooh, oh, jeez. There you go. <laughs> there you go. That's a good one. Oh, oh. Here, here's one that's sure to please the crab. Hello, boys. I'm back. Oh, right? oh, oh. Um. Oh my God. Come on, dude. Don't tell Come me. On. Don't it's tell me. Don't tell me. My tongue too. Hello, boys. Oh, oh what is it? The actor rhymes with Randy Quaid. Independence oh, Day. Okay, <laughs> Jesus. H. Oh, I would have gotten there. Yeah, Jeez. I know. I know. Oh. Damn it. Man, I'm, I'm going to be sore on that all night. <laughs> I'm not proud of that very show tunesy delivery I did of that line right. either. Can you, like, toughen that up and post? <laughs> oh, I got it. All right, all right, all right. Oh, oh yeah, geez. there we go. Don't fuck with the Chuck. <laughs> There's one. Nobody fucks with the Jesus? <laughs> or on that subject? <laughs> okay, on that. Yeah. No, um, uh, what else? What else? Oh, who could forget? Uh, I can't believe we almost overpassed this one. Buy a t-shirt. Buy a t-shirt. Oh, Remember yeah. That one? I mean, can you think of a of an Academy Award winning film that hasn't incorporated that phrase in some capacity? Uh, I mean, it's, if you want an Oscar... It's it, it's like a requirement. You may as it may as well be like on the list of criteria. I really fucked that segue up. It's Even not like really working for me. I don't know if it is for you guys, but it's not working for me. I had but, your back. I, you did. I, I love you both. Buy a t-shirt. Buy a t-shirt. Yeah, it was kind of stupid. Again, well, I'm only running let's, on. Let's try a battery a, today. A nice, honest pitch. Hey guys, we like you. You like us, presumably, if you're listening to the show. Why not try? Uh, buying something from our merchandise page. It's society6.com forward slash candare. T-shirts are a good place to start. We also have stickers, which are stylish, well-made, and inexpensive. Brand Starting new, at just, brand new stickers. You know, I had a fucking thing going, Jack, <laughs> but you had to buy I was going to say, if you buy one, you can go to Sunday school with Jake, but you want to... <laughs> I'm the hype man. <laughs> but no, seriously, we got lots of cool stuff. And stickers, new stickers, they're great. Because they're like they're not just square with the logo in the middle, like you said. They're cut out yeah, to the precise nice. image. Yeah. Right. yeah, very so efficient. Nice. Very efficient. I just try to make it funny because I think people are more inclined to remember it if you do a funny joke. But See, now that's in, the in past. my in my I am the future. <laughs> in my case here, it, when the joke doesn't land, instead of laughing at you and remembering, it's like, oh, you asshole! Like, what are you doing? <laughs> But society6.com forward slash pod. that's where you get your Candare t-shirt. That's where you get your Candare stickers, yeah. mugs, bath shower curtains, bath mats, floor mats. We've got your apparel and your bathroom attire yeah. in the back of our minds at all times. Hi, everyone. Welcome to our okayest show ever. <laughs> <laughs> society6.com forward slash pod. Go get a sticker, people. All right, with that, let's swing open the door to the comic vault. Who would like to go first? John, do you, uh, you have a book you'd like to talk about? Oh, gosh. Well, uh, you kind of set the um, set the bar really high to, to know that you delve kind of kind of into the um, whole Kyle Box and the Beagle Boys and Uncle Scrooge and all that great stuff. Um, I, I've been thinking about this, and yeah, you know, there's, there's a series of books out there that do have some um, stories continuing, but this bit has been one of those amazing, inspiring pieces towards my independent journey into comics, and that is um, Michael T. Gilbert's Doc Stern, Mr. Monster. 
Um, it's a great series. It's reprinted at different levels. Um, you can still find the single issues out there. It started in the 80s. And what this was was a, um, a comic that he, that Michael Gilbert created. And Michael started off in, in the independent world. As a matter of fact, as early as the 70s, my, one of my earliest pieces I have with him is Quack Number 1, in which he did a spoof of the spirit called The Wraith. Which was an which was like the spirit, except for these were I believe he was a dog, um, and it was just great stuff then. And when I discovered Mister Monster in the eighties, this was this was awesome. Where the Tick was sort of like this irreverent superhero who was not had this nonsense about him. Mister Monster was all that, but he was really cool. He 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 fought monsters. He he went after the occult. He. He, you know, shot shot demons with guns. He had a beautiful assistant, Kelly, and he was just very well, very well rounded in terms of all of his the dark arts that he knew and his confidence in fight, facing these monsters and, and such. And the series ran with Eclipse Comics um, and then over to Dark Horse. It was just such a, such a great romp and. Um, the character itself, the history goes back to the 40s, where it was a character that was published in two Canadian books, uh, comics, I think in 46 and 47 or 45 and 46 by an artist named Fred Kelly. Um, Michael found this and he just he fell in love with the concept and idea, vamped it up for the 80s and always paid homage to um, the original. And as a matter of fact, he he, he made sure that he, he took care of um the property um and and i guess he he, he took i think he, t- he took a, a long drive to um pay a royalty check out to fred kelly for the characters because he felt like he was obliged to do so, so uh, just an upstanding individual in the comic community and how he chose to deal with um you know adapting this character forward and it, it's just a, it's such an amazing body of work that sometimes i, I mean i take it for granted that i know it but a lot of people don't, and uh, Mr. Gilbert is um, out there still drawing, still putting work out there. He had a, a good long run working on Disney comics as a writer as well back in the 80s and I think into the 90s. Um, so it's definitely worth checking out, and it's definitely a book you can pick up on the cheap. Um, it's probably something you can find in a, um, in a back bin somewhere. And mark my words, you, you pick up the first one, you're going to want the second one, third one, fourth one. And I'll, I'll just leave it with two words. Hemo boy, <laughs> hemo boy. That's Very right. Nice. All right. What was the night? The title of that again? It was a Doc Stern, Mister Monster. Nice. Yeah, I'm, I'm not familiar with the character. Yeah, yeah, it looks it out. Yeah. cool as hell. Very good. Oh yeah. All right. Well, I'm just gonna hop right into mine uh, here really quick. Oh, uh, why don't you just do that? I did. Did you see that? You see Incredible. that transaction? It's like it just happened. Take in front your of my shot eyes. glasses and <laughs> shove them up the ass. <laughs> not all four. <laughs> <laughs> Get him way up there, Morty. <laughs> okay. <clears throat> um, uh, like I stated at the top of the episode, uh, when we last had John on the show, we had uh, discussed Carl Barks and Uncle Scrooge comics. I, I believe, uh, John, you had actually brought it up. I don't remember the context in which it came up, though. And uh, after that episode, I was like inspired. I was like, I got to find more out about this because I was already a fan of DuckTales. And I knew I just wanted to... uh, I love getting into source material, going back and seeing where it started. And these are really good comics. It's been so much fun digging, and I haven't really stopped since that episode. Anytime I've been, like, at a bargain bin or 
garage sales or anything like that and they have comics I'm looking for those Uncle Scrooge and I found you've brought a couple of them to the show a couple. I of have times. and I found quite a few of them so um, what stinks though is a lot of these comics it says Golden Key on them uh, and mm-hmm. they're done by uh, Walt Disney but when you open the cover maybe it's somewhere I'm just not seeing but there's no really real credit to writing to the writers or the artist that I can never find it just says uh, by the Walt Disney Company so if you get on Google and you know type in the details to the you know the the comic, you can pull up who the writers were. And unfortunately, after I read this, I found this was actually written by Vic Lockman. So this is not a Karl Barks story, but that's why I brought this to the table today. You inspired me, John. <laughs> well, well, thank you. And one of the things that we learned very early on, and my dad taught me this because he was the he was a Kyle Box fan, is that they didn't really know who Kyle Box was. They just knew him as the good duck artist. They knew his work, but they didn't necessarily know his name. Now, there were times where Kyle would actually hide his name Box in the artwork, whether it be a background piece, uh, something on a, uh, on a can in a cupboard. That's how people kind of picked up on who this person might be. And he really, you, you know, don't mistake a Kyle Box comic once you know it and once you've read it and once you've seen it. It's just such an ama- amazing piece of work. And I, I won't detract from some of the others because there were a lot of good artists writing the, the, the Disney books for Dell Comics prior to Gold Key. Um, and as it was put to me, these were never Disney comics. These were Dell producing books around the Disney world. Right. Disney had no real input into this. This was, this was the cre- creative team over at Dell and um, just an amazing um, world that was built out. And in some instances, it's still carried on by like Don Rosa, um, I, William Van Horn, and even Michael Gilbert when he was writing the Disney stuff. He was the guy with Mr. Monster. Great stuff. Thanks for picking up, man. I, I truly appreciate hearing that you, you've, you've become a fan. Oh, no, thank you. And that's just one of the things that makes this show great. You just learn so mm-hmm. much from talking to so many different people that uh, so many things we've been exposed to that we would have never known about. But anyway... I'm just going to uh, describe this story here quick. This is one of, I believe, two or three stories in this, The Beagle Boys versus Uncle Scrooge. And there were a series of these. This isn't, wasn't like a one-time thing. There was a series of The Beagle Boys versus Uncle Scrooge. But this in particular story is called The Frame Up. And uh, what it is pretty much, you see Scrooge, you know, swimming through his money in his bin like he do- always does. And then it cuts to the Beagle Boys, you know, wanting that experience so bad that the closest thing they can come to is they go to the Mint where money is being made and <laughs> jump the barrier and just dive into the sheets of money that are being printed. And in turn, get thrown in jail. Now, they get thrown in jail, but they manage to take a roll, brand new quarters with them somehow. So... Don't they, ask. Yeah. <laughs> you don't want to know how they got that out. <laughs> but after they get kicked out and they get back out of jail, they're like, our plans aren't working. Let's go to the, let's go to Beagle, what is it? I-176. That's, they're just named by the uh, mug shot plates that are still mm-hmm. hanging around their necks, you know? That's pretty much exactly what he looks like, too. Just like one of the other Beagle boys, except he has like a professor, uh, or like, a, what do they call that? <laughs> It's like the... Uh, like the, when you graduate. The graduation hat. Yeah. The, the cap. <laughs> and he, he... I don't know what you call it. He comes up with the idea. We're going to lure Scrooge into the mint and frame him. Make it look like it's a... Uh, like he's stealing money. So they... Very very much in the same vein as like Reese Pieces and E.T. 
they put down these quarters on the sidewalk to lead Scrooge to the mint. And they the quarters go through a hole under the wall and lead him in there. So he buys into it, starts taking them up, you know, and uh, gets caught in the mint and thrown in jail. They think he has stolen all these quarters, which he has apparently, you know, he just found. So with Scrooge locked away, the Beagle Boys... They go down to the uh, money bin, and they're having their time swimming around. They're hauling out sacks of money while taking the time to swim around in it. And um, uh, there's something with the coin. Scrooge realized, hang hang on, that coin that, you, that I, you claim I stole and you dropped on the table has a weird sound to it. It's not an actual quarter. I don't remember how it played out exactly. I'm, I'm botching details here. <laughs> but to that, in that vein... So the, he looks out the window and sees the Beagle Boys driving by with his money. He points him out, and the cops go after him but can't catch him so Scrooge sets up a trap of his own very much in the same vein leads a dollar bills and a trail to the police officers uh, headquarters and the dopes fall into the trap so you know <laughs> classic very, uh, Beagle Boys classic yeah. Beagle Boys yeah nothing uh, too epic there but uh, it's always it's the, the books I brought before the Scrooge books I brought before were a lot better than this so I think I'll just stick to the main Uncle Scrooge books and avoid the Beagle Boys versus Uncle Scrooge. <laughs> there was that one where he found a mermaid that was inexplicably yes. part duck and part fish. Yes, and then... <laughs> so many questions. Remember Daisy Duck then came to the boat because she just had her, her intuition told her that Donald <laughs> would possibly be cheating on her with a mermaid. Oh, what it... <laughs> The logistics. Uh, that was still a better book than this, for sure. They had uh, deep sea diving, yeah. uh, mermaids, mermaids, murdocks, <laughs> duck maids. Duck I'm maids. not going to use that word again. Alrighty, I don't like it. <laughs> there we are, Uncle Scrooge, uh, Beagle Boys versus Uncle Scrooge. Jake, go ahead. All right. Well, I've got Batman, Broken City. Uh, it's written by Brian Azzarello, so I could go on and on about how the writing's great and it's classic Batman and it just feels right. But you've heard it all before. We've picked Batman apart a hundred thousand times, but I chose this comic because that's what I wanted. I wanted something familiar and comfortable. Today was the day I'm just like, I want to read a comic that's just like standard, you know, not that it's not good, but something, you know, surface level, superheroes, one of the big two, I wanted easy. We've had a lot of guests on who are passionate about like indie titles and underground names and that's incredible and I've been really deep into that lately but I I needed to take a breather you know this is a palate cleanser so I chose this one it just caught my eye because it seemed to have a little bit of everything it's uh the impetus for Batman's quest here is a, a used car salesman named Angel Lupo who gets in over his head messes with the wrong people who then tell their higher ups and so on up the chain until pretty much the whole rogues gallery is involved and it's great everything about it is great classic batman the right mix of him punching people in the face and him solving crimes using clues and technology you know and uh, i could go on and on about the story but the thing that's really going to stick with me from this comic is that on no less than three separate occasions he punches killer croc's teeth to pieces Right after he comes back from the dentist having them fixed. Oh. It's a line how Croc has the, he's got like this top level dentist on retainer. So at any given time, he can stop by and have his teeth capped again. Oh, it just kills me. Wow. But yeah, yeah, it's awesome. And it's interesting because they delve into a little bit of Batman's like failings as a crime fighter in this one. He's looking for this figure, Angel Lupo. I'll spare some of the details because it's kind of convoluted because he believes he's responsible for killing his own sister. Like Angel had his sister killed. He's like, 
this is some bullshit. You know, I've got to work this out. But everyone's tight-lipped about it. So he goes on this week-long campaign of rattling the monkey cage. You know, he's asking every criminal from the small to the tall, where's Angel? What's he been doing? Why is he hiding? What'd he do? Just to get this buzz going. It's shutting down business. Trades aren't being made. Everyone's superstitious. The Batman's everywhere, right? In the end, you find out that Angel isn't the horrible bastard he assumed him to be. And he's got to wrestle with the fact that all of these deaths that have happened as a result are on his hands because he was so desperate to find this guy for a reason even he didn't understand completely that he had become, at least in that instant, part of the problem. Mm. And dealing with that throughout the story, I thought was a really nice touch to kind of turn on its head because so often Batman is like psychologically troubled, but still like infallible. Right. right? You always know he's doing the right thing, even if he has to play dirty to get there. But in this one, you start to think like, oh, man, he's just a guy. You know? <laughs> he's right. well trained, but he makes mistakes. And it was it was nice. It was a good read. And uh, I recommend it. In that uh, book, The Ultimate Ev- Evil, that, uh, that oh, you bought, yeah, yeah. where he uh, it's much more adult themed book. Certainly. But uh, where he takes on child trafficking. Toward the beginning of that book, though, something you said just kind of reminded me of the instance where he has a moment where he realizes just going out and fighting criminals and putting them behind bars isn't good enough. Yeah, it's yeah. not solving anything. No. It just keeps happening. He's so, addressing the symptoms, not the... So he keeps digging deeper, you know, while these people are coming from broken homes. So he starts going around with social workers, getting a closer look at that environment and starting to think how he can focus his efforts on making those environments better so these later criminals aren't even spawned. You know what I mean? It's it's such a... Yeah, I know exactly what you mean. And it's handled so well by a guy who knows that profession Mm -hmm. and, like, the root of these problems, the importance of social work. It's And it's such a natural fit for Batman that, like, you wouldn't necessarily think of. Uh, That that book is really something. Because it's Mm -hmm. the the rare instance of someone trying something kind of new with Batman, but at the same time having such a firm grasp of what he's about. Yeah. It's really awesome so yeah i that's definitely right up there on the recommendations list so broken city broken city i'll have to read it, it looks yeah. cool all righty well very good lots of good comics this week yeah i'd say all right with that let's move right into real world heroes jack who do we have this week clayton cook and i'm not sure where he's from but it took place in kitchener Canada. What is Clayton Cook done to deserve a spot on the wall of justice? He and his fiance just got married. They're in a big named park. I guess it's kind of a touristy type place. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's a big lake in the park and the way the story was told I think him and his wife were facing the lake. They were getting pictures done. Photography, photography pictures. Of course, I mean, what other pictures are there than <laughs> getting their wedding pictures taken? So the photographer couldn't see what was going on behind, but they're getting their pictures taken, and all of a sudden, Clayton noticed a little kid, some kids playing in the along the water. One of them fell in the water and looked like he was drowning. So without a beat, he ran right in with his suit. He wasn't wearing a tux. I guess it was a little dressed down wedding. But uh, just reached in, one-armed, and grabbed the kid up. He was probably, oh, maybe five or six. Just a little, just a little tyke. Wow. But yanked that kid out of the water and saved the day, and then went on the rest of the day taking pictures in a wetsuit. Didn't care. (laughs) I would say not. The marks of a hero. 
encaps encaptured in the uh, in the photography pictures, as you put it. Yes, mm-hmm. was that <laughs> the photography pictures? The photography <laughs> photographs. <laughs> I, I can just see myself. <laughs> Just watching that unfold and being pissed that this kid drowning overshadowed my, my whole event. Like, oh, come on, dude. This Where is my parents? day. <laughs> oh, my God. And what was it? Clayton? Clayton Cook. And for that, Clayton Cook, you have found a spot on our wall of justice. In the Hall of Heroes. Been a while, hadn't it? Yeah, a little rusty like, there. I thought you said the wrong line. <laughs> That's even kind of a heroic name, isn't it? It's yeah. got like that superhero alliteration, Clayton Cook. Clayton yeah. Cook. By day, a monster yeah, truck rally right there. I need to... Clayton Mission base for the whole seat, but you'll only need the edge. <laughs> Sunday, Sunday, Sunday. <laughs> All right. Well, with that behind us, uh, let's just turn our attention over to John a little bit here and talk about uh, Boots and Pop. Now... John, I know you said you haven't uh, been doing a lot with Boots and Pup as of late, but uh, it looks like it's come quite a long way since we last had you on the show. Um, so if you wouldn't mind just telling the listeners a little bit about Boots and Pup and uh, what it is. Yeah, no, thank you, Jeremy. And um, So what Boots and Pup is, is it's a, um exploration of uh, best friends. And it's done and told in a way that is relevant to my world and surrounding, which it basically takes place in outer space. Not just any outer space. This is an outer space that looks a lot like the world we live in, except for it's not on this planet. Um, you know, they, they go to work. They, they have their jobs. They have their jobs that they don't necessarily care about. There are people in their lives that are marginally there. There are um, the challenges of everyday life, whether it be putting on your shoes although not neither of them wear clothing of any sorts i've never been called out on that action no one's ever, no one's ever said why is why are they naked and you know I'm, why I'm they haven't said that because you didn't take the same route the watchman did and had it have their hanging down there they were a little more anatomically detailed put those details on guarantee you'll get them questions <laughs> get some <laughs> That is my adult swim version of this. I already have it figured out. Boots already, and pop already figured after out. dark. After dark. Um, and so it's really, um, it's about those two best friends. And when I go really deep with them, it's about coming from two different walks of life. Um, pop grew up not knowing who his family was, raised by hobos um, on a planet called Hobo World. And Boots himself was... You know, he had that nuclear family, mom, dad, and a brother who was a real asshole. So, like, these are things that um, put them into two different categories of of life, but they just managed to find each other. And and through the frustration of the friendship, they're cemented in a a good friendship. And to to date, um, and I've been working on Boots and Pops since 2005, um, there's a finished graphic novel out there called Boots and Pop Inspired Laziness. It's available right now on Amazon for three dollars and ninety nine cents cheap. It's um, one hundred and seventy pages. They say one hundred and seventy two, but a couple of them are just blank. Um, but it, it, it's really telling this deep story about origins, about where Pup came from, um, about Boots not being happy with his life where he is at that moment, and about um, kind of exploring wh- where they go next. And of course, there's a colorful cast of characters. That surround it. There's a fish named Sniffles who starts off pretty innocuous and then turns out being pretty key to this whole adventure that spans 
planets, worlds. There's an amulet involved. Um, there's a worm who has these desires to, to possess the amulet. And there's also a, a galactic warlord who's hell-bent on taking it away from the, the guys. Um, and, and so that that's it in a nutshell. And so where there hasn't been much new material... Um, new material is being planned, and this new material will take them back down to the essence and the root of them being friends. It's going to tell that story. It's going to be about them waking up and having breakfast and finding out that somebody set the toaster to super dark when they really wanted their toast light. It's about you know missing their favorite mug um, or when it was used to capture a spider. You know things things along that line. And I'm really excited to start telling those stories, and you'll see that start to start in about probably about. Uh, maybe February, March of next year, can come into into being, and then those will be collected in the books as well. Because I really love the idea of books. While I started in web comics, I really dig um, having something tangible you can hold. It goes over really well at the comic cons, um, being there with, with individuals, watching their, them, you know, interact with, with the books, um, purchase the books, respond to me about how how much they love them, and coming back for more. So it, it's been it's been a joy. It's been a pleasure and. You know, it's brought me into places like I am right now, talking to you folks about um, about these passions, about these things we love. And they're fun comics, so much fun. And I want to again, I don't think we've talked to you since you sent us those autograph mm. uh, volume one. So thank you so much. That was beyond uh, amazing of you to do. Thank you. And you know what I, what I love about it is it's something I, I feel like we touch on, and maybe it's just me. I always seem to mention one of my favorite things is is using a, a fantastical or weird framework to explore common problems. Right. You know, you, you sort of catch someone's attention with this, you know, oh, they look different, they're aliens, they live on this in this whole other world, but the things they deal with are relatable. And for some reason, that just makes it so much more comforting than, you know, just seeing an average person suffer through their morning commute. You know? Right. <laughs> when, when you can paint it with humor and color, it, it makes it seem like, well, yeah, this thing is, but also it's going to be okay, right? You know? right? Yeah, no, for sure. And that's where I think it comes from. Uh, it can go back to the stories that Kyle Box told with, the, with Donald Duck and Uncle Scrooge, that these were stories that interest him and that were things that he really wanted to put out there. These are stories that interest me, and I grew up a, a fan of a kid of Star Wars, of science fiction, and I always knew mine wouldn't be ducks or duck mermaids. They'd be... Um, <laughs> They'd be aliens from another planet, and that's sort of sort of where they fall into it. One thing that was uh, really awesome to see when preparing for this was the, the the addition of cartoons, boots and pup cartoons. Oh yeah, well that that that's what happens to me late at night when I'm thinking, wow, I really need to have something else to promote these characters, and you know I, I end up knowing nothing about animation and then what i do is i teach myself and as i'm teaching myself i'm like oh this is really cool i'm just gonna do a couple seconds and then a couple seconds turned into 30 seconds into a minute into two minutes and 40 seconds i couldn't tell you how i did it but it's been out there on youtube it's been on vimeo for for some time um totally free and it's, it's one of those things i like to give back i also developed an an iphone app as well and the iphone wow. app was yeah i i it's no longer available on the iTunes store because I, I was a cheapskate and didn't want to spend 100 bucks to stay a developer. Um, one of these days it might come back, but what it was was I took my character Sniffles, strapped a rocket to his back, called the game Fish Missile, and the, 
the idea was yeah the idea was you had a kind it was kind of almost like a flappy birds clone where you had to fly past these um over these um smokestacks to get to the end and it was fun doing that because i knew nothing about making games and i taught myself that aspect of it and so i i learned a little bit of the discipline involved with both of those um components and it was really fun doing it but next year 2018 is going to be about the comic it's going to be about the strip it's going to be about these characters interacting telling jokes having fun um anyone who's interested right now can follow me on twitter or check me out on twitter or instagram i'm posting uh daily comic between now and december that covers um my book that i just put out this year which is good old boots and pup and that's a collection of some of my oldest comic strips from back in 2005 2006 so there's plenty of there's plenty of material out there to read um to check out um if you dig it let me know um if you don't dig it let me know i mean that's always been the thing it's i do this because i love it not because i have to it's good stuff and there it was good they are the comics that i like to follow when i've had a bad day they're just lighthearted. they're good fun comics mm-hmm. you know what i mean and uh, people, you can go to bootsandpup.com and check out uh, more of what John has going on over there. And you're on Twitter, right? I am, yeah. At Boots and Pup on Twitter and on Instagram with that same um, call tag. There you go. There you go. Plenty of places to check it out. John, I want to thank you for being on the show with us today, man. This has been a hell of a lot of fun. Thanks for having me. I really enjoyed talking to you guys again. Um, I appreciate you know this opportunity just the next time let's hope that nobody um that we care about passes (laughs) yeah no kidding no kidding well thanks again man jack what do we have on the website go to candairpodcast.com where you can see show highlights guest info listen to the show follow us on all our social media visit the hall of heroes and the new addition to the wall of justice check out some of the videos from our youtube page click that merch button and buy something Please, <laughs> yeah, there's stickers now. They're affordable. Yeah, the stickers, stickers. Are cool. everyone loves a sticker. Yeah, and if you'd like to be on our show and promote your work, send us an email on our contacts page. And once more, everybody, that's at Canned Air Pod on Twitter and at Canned underscore Air on Instagram. Both great sources of entertainment. Very good. That's Jake. all I got. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I know that sounded like I was going somewhere. <laughs> I decided what song we're going to go out on with Tom Petty uh, during the episode. We're going to go out on Walls. Probably one of the best, if not one of my favorites he's ever done. So, uh, people, I hope you enjoy it. If you're not a big fan of Tom Petty, I ask that you please still listen to it anyway. It's just a great song. And, um, again, hope you enjoy it. So, uh, I think that's going to do it for this week. I think so. so. Until next time, I am Jeremy Colling. Jack Dord. Jake Runyon. And this is Randy Quaid. (laughs) (laughs) And this is John Yaskatis Thanks for listening everyone Some days are diamonds Some days are rocks Some doors are open Sundowns are golden Then fade away And if I never do nothing I'll get you back someday Cause you got a heart so big 
sadly been known as the Forgotten War, but half a century earlier, the United States was locked in a bloody conflict in Asia that's been all but erased from the history books. Hi, I'm Alex Hasty, the host of Ohio vs. the World, an American history podcast on the Evergreen Podcast Network. In our newest episode, we speak to experts about the Philippine-American War, America's first Asian counterinsurgency conflict. The heroes, the villains, will discuss President McKinley, Admiral Dewey, the vicious brutality of the fighting, and the scandals and war crimes that nearly sunk Theodore Roosevelt's presidency. Check out our show, Ohio vs. the World, on the Evergreen Podcast Network for our new episode about America's most forgotten war. Now back to the show. <laughs> 